Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm joined today by a friend of mine, Blake Worrell Thompson. Blake is a performance and lifestyle coach. He's uh, He has a very incredible story, but also so much experience and value to offer to not only the listeners of this podcast, but everyone that he kind of comes into contact with. For those of you who, who don't know who Blake is, Blake's one of the three coaches in the Momentum Lifestyle Group, that which I've, I've talked about on the show before, something I've been a part of over the last kind of 12 months or so. Uh, but he's helping people improve their lives and, and using his own experience to then help others as well um, and you know this is something that he continues to learn each and every single day which what which is what we touch on in this episode as well um, but we dive into how to deal with adversity and how people um, you know have different ways of dealing with adversity and, and what pathway you can go on to really do the work which is something we dive into a bit into the episode as well is exactly what that means in terms of doing the work on yourself and the personal and self-development we also touch on the effects that, you know, by not doing the work, what that can, what effect that can have on your relationship and, and your partner, which was a really interesting one as well. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Blake. I know you guys are going to love it as well. So if you do enjoy it, make sure you take a screenshot of this episode, post it up on Instagram story for us, tag myself, tag Blake as well. Get around him on social media. We also have a free workbook, which we're going to put in the show notes as well. So make sure you use that link um, all around getting past your self-limiting beliefs, which is a huge practice and something that I know everyone that listens to this episode will benefit from. So big thanks to Blake for joining me on this episode and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Big Rig, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. It's, a, it's an honor to have you on, mate. DK, I'm very excited to talk. Uh, it's always always good when we have a conversation. Obviously, um, the, the listeners to the show uh, potentially have, have tuned in to... Um, some of the episodes I've done um, with, with a couple of the, the other fellow coaches in, in the Momentum group as well with Dylan and Genoa um, and even just probably heard bits and pieces of me talking about some of the benefits I've kind of seen in particular of working with you boys and uh, I guess opening up my mind to, to new things but also just um, building that relationship and the bond with everyone else inside the group. Mm. Um, and I remember, you know, even with the, um, the, the testimonial video that I did for you guys not long ago saying something along the lines of when I, when Dylan first reached out, I was kind of hesitant because I, I thought I was already all over. Um, I definitely didn't think I'd mastered it, but I, I knew that I was already, you know, meditating, journaling, stuck right into the personal development side of things. Mm. But even still, like the, the impact it's had has been um, awesome. So firstly, man, congrats on the, on putting up, putting together such a good program. Um, and as always, anyone who's tuned in, um, any fellows that are tuned in that, that would like to jump on board, you can find out some more information. I'll have the links and stuff in the show notes. But um, how's, that, how's that kind of experience been for you so far, being able to now relay, I guess, your own experiences on to help other people um, in the world of, I guess, masculinity, but also just um, mindfulness and, and the whole deal, like tying it all together? Mate, it's been brilliant. We've just, we've just kind of hit um, two years, I think this week, actually. And, you know, even, even as three blokes, we've learned a lot about ourselves, but also a lot about other blokes. You know, you think yeah. when you're a bloke that you understand how all blokes think. 
Um, but we've learned a lot. Like the, the first two years have been a really good kind of, um, I guess, almost beta testing to see what blokes need, what works, what doesn't, what they're attracted to and what they're not. And, you know, one of the challenges, I think, when we first started and we're starting to see the transition is that yep. the men's space hasn't been the most attractive space in the mm. past. And that's a really big piece for us to make it you know, more attractive, more appealing and also more accessible. You know, a lot yep. of the type of blokes that you and I hang out with, you know, might have dipped their toe in for the first time. They might be listening to your podcast, the Joe Rogan type podcast. Um, but to go and, you know, do quote unquote men's work is, is a, you know, a big step and, and pretty far fetched for a lot of them. So, you know, to make it a lot more appealing and, and, you know, at the end of the day, as, as you're aware, you know, having been through our program, we want to be in a position where we get blokes in who we go and have a beer with and go and watch footy with. And, and so far um, it's been really good in terms of attracting those type of blokes. And, you know, I think the cool on one, thing, hand, on one hand, you guys um, have been thrown in the deep end with how fucked uh, everything is at the moment in terms of uh, society with obviously <laughs> lockdowns and whatnot. So mm. on one side, everything's been amplified probably a lot quicker than what you guys expected. And then on the other hand, it's a, it's a good thing because it's mm. bringing a lot more, as you said, a lot more males out of their shell and almost forcing a lot of guys that may, you know, if, if uh, you know, otherwise may, may have waited or maybe never have, have kind of taken the step to really take control of their, their mental health and whatever issues they've got. But I think it's, um, you know, the best way I reckon to describe this whole lockdown has been like a, a forced audit on your, on your own life, I mm. guess, and what's working and what's clearly not. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So it's probably been in some way or another a benefit for you guys to be able to get such uh, such raw, um, I guess, emotion and uh, and and experience through like the first few intakes, which was would have to be a good thing. Well, mate, that's the thing. It's it's unfortunate that it, especially as blokes, it's unfortunate that it often takes blokes to get to that level before yeah. they um, make change. But there we are, kind of sitting at the bottom when they're ready to hit rock bottom, waiting for them to kind of, you know, make, make changes. And that's the nature of men at, at this stage. I think, you know, fair to say as a general rule of thumb, females are a little bit more proactive in doing the work than, than males are. But, um, you know, from what I've seen, obviously watching this space really closely as part of momentum for the last two years, but really, you know, watching it closely over the last five to six years in particular is... I think we're probably three to five years away from really normalising men doing the work and making it a lot more attractive and appealing than it's been in the past. So that's also exciting for not only men and the state of men's mm. mental health, men's wellness, but also like, you know, my heart kind of goes out to the women that, um, you know, struggled to, you know, get their men to do the work. And that's probably the biggest question I get from women is like, how do you get, you know, my guy to do the work or, you know, how do you get them to kind of, start to take action so you know i feel for the guys who are struggling and i feel just as much you know for the women who are on the kind of um the end of it as well 
two things there. Um, the first one, like how long do you think it is until we, and it's pretty hard to put a number on the guess, but how long do you think it is until we see more males, um, quote unquote, doing the work before mm. hitting rock bottom um, compared to now? Like, as you said, it does take more often than not um, male in, males in particular to reach a point where, you know, at the lowest of lows to really mm. be, um, to, to make the decision to do something about it. How off, How long do you think it's going to take until that becomes a bit more normal and what needs to happen for that to be the case? Yeah. I look at two, two transitions. I look at um, what online dating was 10 years ago when we are starting to break the stigma. Yep. And I look at what mental health was five years ago. If you yep. remember those, there was talk of it and a little bit of rustling going Meditation on. Meditation and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, one of the biggest movements is men doing the work or the men's movement. So I'd say it's probably three to five years away from men getting in a really bad place where they're somewhat more proactive. Yep. And to be fair, you know, one of the things um, that I think is fair, you know, as an outsider looking in is, you know, one, the stigma, but two, there wasn't many options for blokes, mm. you know, like you and I. Like, I love personal development and I'm into yeah. some fucking weird shit but even with that approach i was very hesitant to jump into any of the kind of men's you know quote unquote circles which again you know has a stigma around it for good reason like mm. there wasn't many options and you know i'm seeing more and more options pop up which is amazing for men in general um you know because the more options there are the more you know you're likely to find something that suits similar to kind of you know i guess our industry you know, 15 mm. years ago, there was, what was there? There was, um, you know, those body pump classes. There was only four or five, you know, options yeah. outside of one-on-one -on -one training. And, you know, the group space now, there's something for everyone. So um, I'm excited about more and more options becoming available to men and men finding something that resonates with them, which I think is, you know, really important part. Um, in terms of the... As you said before, you were you you'd, you'd gone through a lot of the stuff yourself. You'd done a lot of the the quote unquote work. And before we keep going, like, are you able to just quickly elaborate on what you mean by I guess the phrase putting in the work? For a lot of people mm. that are listening, are probably just like, what the fuck you're talking about. Um, yeah. In terms of the work, so like, what type of stuff for those that have no idea to it? Like, what, what does that include? Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the work is really anything that's bettering yourself, you know, whether it's relationship, whether it's your own mental health, whether it's, you know, even I guess in a roundabout way, doing the work, you know, can relate to kind of your health and fitness as well. So doing the work is, you know, somewhat personal development, bettering yourself, um, having you better tomorrow than you are today. And, you know, the big thing with it is it doesn't have to be an overnight transformation. Like you can start really simple and start small um, but there's a real piece, you know, as there is with kind of health and fitness, there's a real piece around consistency, just constantly improving yourself, albeit yeah. one foot in front of the other, you know, to make sure yeah. that you're better than you were tomorrow. And, and everyone benefits from that, you know, whether it's your, your partner, your friends, family, work colleagues, clients, mm. whatever it may be. So just continuously improving and getting a little bit better than you were yesterday. And, I, I, you know, just moving on from that, like what uh you said before like you, you'd had your own experiences and and it was exciting and also a little bit daunting jumping into working with other other men in a group i guess environment to mm. hopefully have the same effect as you touched on like 
everyone is just so incredibly different in terms of what they're going through or how they respond to it and what they do and don't respond to, you know, for some people, you know, like I never thought that meditation would be something for me. Whereas now it's something that I can't go without. Whereas I know for a fact that there's other people that regardless of what fucking research they see, they're just never going to get around it. So how do you navigate your way through that in terms of, you know, yes, certain things may have worked for you and maybe a few other people that you've worked with, but for those that don't respond to it, what's the best way to, I guess, you know, like when you guys are putting together a momentum program, how do you actually figure out what steps to take um, that are actually going to be effective for everyone in the group, regardless of what point that each person is at, if that makes sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right in saying that um, everyone's different. And sometimes there's that line and, you know, even I assume in the health and fitness space, you've got to find what works for you. And there's a level of, consistency and persistence as well which i think you know many of yeah. us lack you know i know speaking firsthand from meditation obviously you know janelle is one of my best mates and my business partners and you know i first meditated probably 10 11 years ago and then i was kind of on and off uh-huh. um and then janelle and i moved together you know to byron in june last year and i think i've missed three days since so yeah. there's a little bit to be said for yeah i didn't really feel like you know, meditation was my thing, albeit I could see a huge amount of value and then, you know, back at it for the, the fifth attempt, essentially. Um, yeah, and I've missed, I think, three days in, you know, 14 or 15 months. So mm. there's a little bit to be said for that. But the big thing for us as well is, you know, when it came to kind of momentum and putting together, um, I guess, the course content, so to speak, or, or what we really wanted to kind of establish ourselves as, is we obviously considered our own limitations um, and, you know, things that let us down in the past. And, you know, um, all three of us have different um, stories and different struggles. So we, we, we factored in that. Then we spoke to, you know, I think we probably interviewed 100 women, I think, over the course of three months to see what they saw from their side of things. And then, you know, 100 to 200 men as well. And, and through that kind of collected what was important. And I think... You know, one of the big things for all of us blokes, and um, I'm sure you can attest to this in your relationship, is like, fuck, that can see us so much clearer than we can see ourselves often. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I would have avoided a lot of the pain that I went through and a lot um, would have had to go through a lot less struggle had I listened to um, those that knew me best, being girlfriends, you know, over the years as well. So there's a lot to be said for really bringing them into the equation of like, what do you guys see that, you know, potentially blokes don't. And, you know, for us, the first step really is, is awareness. And yeah. um, you realize that you don't have much awareness when you go through this process. hundred percent on that topic. Like what were some of the key components, you know, just, just staying on the, on the topic of relationships, like, obviously extremely important and obviously as well not everyone listening is in a relationship but they do have people around them i would Mm. assume that that they care about and that care about them so what were some of the big things that jumped out to you guys that the females or the women saw um that were the issue or that that really jumped out them yeah it's two of the biggest things that stood out um that I can resonate with massively was ego and lack of awareness Mm-hmm. and they become two blocks really from you doing the work like there's a lot yeah. of ego in you know so many of us blokes and we you know you and I both know it's all just a bullshit mask that we that cover mm-hmm. our little insecurities and everything 
Um, but that really stops you often from doing the work. And obviously, if you don't have awareness around the things that aren't working for you, then that makes it really hard to make change as well. And, you know, those are two big things. And I think, you know, a really um, appealing and attractive trait that you and I are fully aware of that many, you know, might kind of be struggling to really step into is knowing what your mission, passion and purpose is. You know, there's nothing better than really seeing a guy aligned with, you know, what is true to him and, you know, seeing you and how much you love what you do and, you know, been in a really fortunate position to see so many blokes come in to the program and spend some time and us communicating, connecting with them and then helping them get clear on that. It's been a big piece as well, but there's a lot to be said for finding what, you know, that, that mission is for you. Do you think without the, um, without this, the awareness or the self-awareness, without being able to, to get a grasp on that first, it's almost impossible to really take care of the ego. Like, do you think that is kind of work hand in hand? Mate, 100%. The more I've learned about ego, and I'm the first to admit that it's been a strong challenge of mine and I'm getting better at it, but without a level of self-awareness and that, without really being conscious of what's going on, your ego takes, it's, it's either self-awareness and conscious that's, you know, without kind of getting too spiritual, it's either self-awareness and consciousness that's driving the bus or it's yep. ego. Ego, yeah, it can it can't be both. Yeah. So if you're lacking self-awareness, which you know, I'm, I'm the first to kind of put up my hand and say that, you know, three to four years ago, I was probably the most unaware person in Australia. Then my ego was running the whole show. So yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's an important tra- transition and, and mm. it all starts with awareness. I want to touch a, a little bit um, just on, on your story in particular, if you're happy to, to do so, like just so, to give the listeners a bit of an idea of like where this all kind of stemmed from. Obviously, you just mentioned, you know, these things we're talking about now are things that you definitely struggled with, um, you know, a few years ago. And, and I think, um, I don't know what your, your opinion is. I, I assume it's similar to mine. Like I think regardless of how much work you do do, there's always some form of, like there's always work to be done. Um, so even even now, like you being able to sit here and talk about how how little self awareness you had back then, I, I would say to this day, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's still periods of time where you where you catch yourself not having the awareness and not and being unconscious to to the the stuff that you're doing or saying or the way you're acting. So, what what was the point of kind of I guess your low point, and then and then how did you kind of work your way out of that, and what are the, I guess the being the main pillars that you think of been have had the most significant change for you yeah the first thing to definitely acknowledge is that it's an it's an ever-evolving process like at no yeah. stage does Janelle and myself or deals think that we've got it all sorted like mm-hmm. we'd be absolutely kidding ourselves and we don't like we never want to be positioned as having it all sorted or positioned as the gurus or anything like that that's never been our intention that would again just feed the ego so you know, I talk about self-awareness now and I'm sure in 12 months' time I could look back at where I'm at now and go, dude, you didn't know what the fuck you're talking about from a self-awareness point of view. But it's a lot better now than it was four years ago. But for me, it was, yeah, I mean, there's a number of pieces to the pie. And I guess, you know, anyone who's in a position where they're super passionate about what they do, often it stems from some kind of pain, whether it's their upbringing, you know, different parts that have happened in their life. And, you know, I've always been interested in this and, and it was, you know, I guess a, a natural flow on for me from 15 years in the health and fitness industry where, you know, once I started to see the end of that, I wanted to have, you know, more of an impact than what I was having in the gym. But it really, like my 
I guess, spiral down and then, you know, in some ways spiral back up all really kind of happened in a three to three and a half year period. And it actually started with um, me filing for bankruptcy within my business, my fitness business. And six months prior to that, I'd studied NLP. Yep. And it wasn't until I studied NLP, for those that haven't heard that term, neuro-linguistic programming, um, it wasn't until I studied NLP where I really started to like join some dots. I was like, you know, starting to understand how the mind worked, how, you know, so much of what has happened over the last, you know, how many years was conditioned from my upbringing and, and, and yep. started to kind of join the dots. And for me, as someone who's um, carries a lot of pride, also ego, but a lot of pride in what I do from a career point of view, like that was the ultimate, like, Wrapping your identity around your, your career type of thing. Yeah, like, you know, and I think any bloke who, and I, I'm talking about blokes specifically because we're kind of on that topic at the moment, yep. but definitely not exclusive to blokes. Anyone who's super um, passionate about what they do or, or have, carries a lot of pride in you know their career, it, it doesn't get much worse. And to kind of add to that, I guess as a male, you want to be the provider and you, know, you want to be able to t- take care of that side of your life. So for me to have that happen was like the ultimate like downfall and then little did i realize it was like the start of just 15 months of hit after hit and you know it was a case of obviously me shutting down that business me and girlfriend at the time moving to melbourne got fired from three jobs um and in hindsight like again Wait, should, when the ego is trying to get defensive yeah, at least I was doing it really well. Um, you know, you're, you're very quick to shift the blame. What are they doing? They don't know what they're doing. Um, and then, you know, in hindsight, you're like, fuck yeah, I can see, see exactly why they're going for it. But, you know, fired from three jobs, applied for over, you know, 50 jobs. That fell through. You know, my car blew up. You know, I parted ways with my girlfriend. And at one point, I found myself, like, you know, in Melbourne, um, which um, some of our mutual friends definitely got the worst of me when I was had my time in Melbourne. But in Melbourne, you know, directionless, purposeless, moneyless, and I was a couple of days away from being homeless as well. I'd just been kind of given notice. And on top of all of that, you know, two things that really stood out. Obviously, you know, breakups are really hard, mm. you know, really hard, and that was one of the hardest bits of it all. But on top of all that, being purposeless in my mid-30s was a fucking horrible feeling and being as lonely as I've ever been, um, you know, in my mid-30s, yeah. like really added to the whole thing. You know, like if you're struggling, that sucks. If you're struggling and you're feeling super lonely, that's like the fucking worst place to be, I reckon. Yeah. And, you know, I remember having a real kind of brief thought of like, I get why blokes just end it. You know, and that was my darkest thought of like, maybe, you know, it would be easier just to kind of, you know, hang up the boots, so to speak. And, you know, that was enough to kind of snap me out. And what I found myself doing was really trying to create something. I knew I I wanted to be in the coaching space, but I didn't know what it looked like. And I was really trying to create. And I remember speaking to Janala and, you know, at that time I was just so disassociated, just completely out of my body, just head down in a bad place. I remember like, I felt like everything had been stripped away from me. Everything, yeah. money, title, identity, girlfriend, cars, possessions, literally everything. And I was like, fuck, at least I've still got my mental and physical health. 
And God bless him, there was absolutely no way I had my mental health. And then the next week I ended up in hospital with what they thought was meningococcal. And that was the moment where I was like, fuck, I surrender. Like, show me what you need to show me, you know, without yeah. getting too spiritual. This was the moment where I was like, right, I give up. And for me, waving the white flag really was a hard thing to do yeah. because I was like, fuck, mate, don't, don't give up, keep going. But I was like, I don't know like what to do. I don't know where to go. I'm just going to surrender and see what unfolds. And that was my rock bottom. And then it was a case of really rebuilding from there. And interestingly, um, you know, I did a ayahuasca ceremony the week after I hit rock bottom. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the idea of momentum came to me. You know, I spoke to Genoa, who was in Sri Lanka at the time, then Dills, who was in Melbourne. And from there, we started to kind of build out. And it was a case of me, you know, needing to move back in again, bloke in his mid 30s, you know, nothing is more humbling than moving back in with your mum who you don't have a great relationship with and starting as a dish pig at your brother's cafe. Like yeah. that is the <laughs> humble pot. That's, the, yeah, hum- that's yeah. the humble pie that I needed. The humble pie that I needed to eat. But from there, it was, you know, really a case of things like shifting really quickly. The start of momentum, I got clear on my coaching yeah. and then I started to kind of, as quick as I went down that 15 months down, the next 15 months was... Um, continuously up to a place where you know right now the most fulfilled I've ever been in my life and Mm. in the best place so you know I know for a lot of people the last 15 to 18 months is really challenging I think the two things that really got me through when I was in my darkest was one knowing that I'd done a lot of the work already so you know even with the really dark thoughts I kind of knew how to work with my mind a little bit and the second thing was I held on a lot of hope and somewhat blind faith knowing that you know a lot of the people that you and i listen to a lot of those great thought leaders have you know been in a similar position they've been at rock bottom they've been Mm. sleeping on friends couches whatever it may be and i didn't know when or how things were going to open up but i just had you know blind faith and and hope and trust that at some stage it would i think uh something interesting you brought up then is obviously you reach this point where um you know, by the sounds of things, like the lack of self-awareness and ego is the issue, but you'd done the work already. I think there's, you know, and I even have this thought sometimes, like there'll be weeks or days or whatever where it, you know, it just tends to feel like everything's kind of just in the shit, like nothing's really going right. You feel like you're doing all this work, but it's really not paying off. Mm. Um, you feel like you do the consistency, you've had some awesome weeks, but all of a sudden everything fucking turns to shit. And you start thinking to yourself, well, is the work even working or whatnot? But what do you think was the main thing? Was it the ego and the lack of self-awareness that was blocking you from even using these tools properly? And, and then second to that, for anyone listening that has done the work or is doing it and still feels like they're in a bit of a rut, what's the, the best way to keep themselves, I guess, motivated or, or um, I guess, inspired to stay the path, you know what I mean? And not let the fact that a few bad days or a few shit weeks, or whatever, really get in the way of, of the work. Jay, Janai actually picked it up probably about a month ago in that, and I don't know what this looks like even in a fitness space and whether you use this, there's a term called the plateau of latent potential, I think it's called. And essentially what that means is that um, you can put in all the work initially and not necessarily get the results. And, you know, Jay Jay actually picked it up, I think he said it a couple of months ago, he's like, dude, it was like you put in all this fucking work for 18 months, two years. And, you know, you're reading all the books, you're doing all the right things, but the results weren't necessarily coming. And then there's like this fast kind of acceleration 
yeah. you know, the last six months in particular. So I'd keep that in mind that, you know, the instant gratification that you might be looking for that, um, you know, yeah. so many of us are really wired to seek these days through social media and everything doesn't necessarily show up the way you want it to. So, you know, um, part of latent potential is, is one of the, the rules of thumb to think about. And the first question kind of cut out, but what was the, the other one you were asking? Uh, that's also a good question. Um, I think I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I, I think I said, like you'd obviously done the work. Um, mm. you mentioned you'd done a lot of the work and then it just wasn't correlating to, obviously it wasn't correlating to, to real yeah. life because you, you still end up in a point where you felt like you're at the lowest of lows. Mm. Do you think it was the, the, was it the lack of self-awareness and the ego that was in the way that was caught, like blocking the potential for all the work to actually take place? Or what do you kind of narrow that down to? Yeah, such a good question. One of the things that um, males are notorious for is the lack of awareness, but really trying to force things. Like yep. a lot of the um, toxic and unhealthy masculine can come from a place of force. There's a really good book called Force Vs Power by David Hawkins. And for me, I was trying to force everything. Whereas if I had a level of awareness, opportunities are always there. Yeah. But because we've got our head down and bum up, which is, you know, an old school mentality, often we miss the opportunities or we miss the warning signs. And I love, you know, the thought that like life will give you a little slap, like a little tickle. Mm -hmm. And if you don't listen, you might get a punch. And if you don't listen to that, then you get the steam train that yeah. comes through and completely wipes you out. Yeah. And it might, I'm sure it's the same even in health, you know, like, you might get a cough and you're like, oh, no. And then you might find yourself fucking flawed for five days and yeah. you still don't listen. And then, you know, five months down the track, you find yourself in hospital with whatever it might be. So I was getting a little, like, I was getting a lot of the little taps from the universe along the way, mm -hmm. but head down, unconscious, ego, just trying to kind of bullock my way through. Essentially what needed to happen was for me to come and get completely wiped out. And, you know, at the core of it, when I was lying on my hospital bed, I, I literally had nothing when, you know, when they say you've got nothing left to lose, I literally had nothing left to lose. Everything had been stripped, stripped away from me, including the two things that I thought I could always count on my physical and mental health. Yeah. And that was the sign that I needed from the universe to go, well, mate, you've literally got nothing left. Like this is your wake up. Call. Yeah. So we all, we all get the little, like the little hits along the way if we're attuned to them. And if we don't, then we get hit harder. Yeah, I really like that. I think that would be something that a lot of people would be able to resonate with because it's so true. It tends to be, even if it's something that doesn't completely uh, you know, derail you, such as what you went through, like you often have, like you said, it might be something like getting sick or, um, you know, to a, to a larger extent, it might be something along the lines of like getting caught drink driving or something like that. You know, mm. you have the close call here and there and you keep doing it and all of a sudden you get done and that's it. Um, but for males in particular, I think, and, and even females that are particularly like super driven and passionate about what they do, something that I've found difficult and to an extent still do is, is grasping the understanding of doing less to attract and, and to achieve more, but not so much doing less. And I don't mean that by like everyone listening, just do fuck all and sit on the couch and hope that you make a million bucks. It's like, not always feeling like you need to be full steam ahead, not always feeling like you need to be the hardest worker in the room and, and mm. like giving yourself like that, that bit of fresh air. So like, what's it, what's, do you, do you have a good way of explaining to those that are listening about how that actually works? And, and I guess some tips on to, 
to how to allow yourself to really just sit back and, and not feel like you need to force everything? Yeah. The first thing that is, is really important is to understand the level of conditioning that we've all got. And whether that's from society, whether that's from your family, whether that's part of your religion, you know, whether that's part of your geographical location, it's all playing a massive role. So for a lot of us, there's a real deep belief that, you know, you must work hard. Like that was, that was the last generation yeah. that, that, you know, essentially kind of forced that on us. So when we're here, you know, I kind of laugh when we think we've got our own beliefs. Very few of them are actually ours. You know, they're all yeah. kind of pushed upon us. Even, else, yeah. yeah. Even if you look into the science, they're even pushed on us before we actually popped out, like in, in the fetus stage, which right. is fucking amazing to think. So the first thing to be able to do is to really be aware of your thoughts and start to question them, you know. And, and also on that is to find evidence to support otherwise because... Yep you know, you have a thing called a reticular activating system, which will constantly find evidence that supports your current belief system. So if you believe that working hard is the only way to financial success, of which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people get yeah. to financial success and realise that it's not all, you know, yeah. the be all and end all, then your reticular activating system will find evidence. And, you know, that was a big piece for me around money. I've got a Google Doc. It's got, I think, about 85 different, you know, limiting beliefs, habits, patterns that I was doing around money that weren't necessarily serving me. And one of the first ones that I had to do, you know, was, you know, and super common for so many people, money's the root of all evil. And, you know, I remember as soon as I started this process going, fuck, that's not going to serve me going forward. I need to find a better um, belief system around money. So I started seeking out evidence to support that money wasn't the root of all evil. And I had a business so, so coach. Your, so your, your self-limiting belief was that the money is the root of all evil. Yeah. Yeah. So you had that Super negative association with, with money and thinking that those that have money have obviously shit people and, and yeah. selfish and yeah, right. Well, because the other thing as well, and, and this is something for everyone to think about, is like, if that's my belief system, you've got to remember your brain always wants the best for you. So if that's my belief system, then I'm going to find ways to fuck up my own financial success yeah. because I don't want to be a shit dude. Yeah. yeah. So what was really important as I became aware of that is to go, fuck, I need to find evidence to support this new way of believing. And mm. I had a business coach, um, well, I just started with a business coach in Sydney at the time, a guy called Taki Moore, who's an absolute genius, um, makes incredible bank is a ripping dude good family man like everything and that was where i started to find new evidence to support you know the new belief system that yeah. i wanted so that's a really important piece for people to understand is like you will find more evidence to support you know life is hard you have to work hard mm -hmm. or you can find evidence to support otherwise you yeah. get to choose that path yeah and that will strengthen, you know, what's called the myelin, which is essentially the sheath of the brain. That will strengthen the myelin depending which path you choose. That's uh, that the self-limiting beliefs one um, was a was super impactful uh, part of the the course. I think it might have been the, the twelve week, like the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was one that I, that I thoroughly enjoyed. Now I don't know if this is uh, if if there's any way we can maybe even put up a link in the show notes for. Just if you've got like a little workbook or something like that that we can give yeah. listeners to um, to try it out themselves or something, something along the lines of of how to at least become a bit of a bit more aware of what your self limiting beliefs are because that, mm. like I said, was a super powerful um, activity that we did and and 
I think for majority of people that do the activity, like the whole purpose of it is to really become conscious of the unconscious, you know what I mean? The things that we mm-hmm. put no thought to. And I often talk about just in terms of habits, particularly around health and fitness, how so many people are just on autopilot with their daily habits and, and mm-hmm. don't even understand how the things that they are in control of are, are causing them to either not see results or, or push themselves in a direction that they don't want to be going in. So mm-hmm. that'd be cool if we can, if we can chuck a link in. Awesome. Just yeah. um, just moving um, back onto quickly the, the relationship side of things. Like, mm. do you have any advice around you, know, whether it be for male or female, um, how to approach? Um, I guess the your partner or someone that you care about deeply when you do notice that there is um, issues or things that they need to work on. Because I mean, mm. something that I've um, found is you know even with meditation. Um, once I realized how impactful it was for me, I was like, fuck, everyone should be doing this. Like I was yeah. telling everyone about it and, and wondering why the fuck no one else was following my lead. And then it wasn't until I kind of stepped away from that and just started almost like, you know, as cliche as it is leading by example, like showing just, just making people aware of the fact that I was meditating and the benefits it had on me and not trying to push it on anyone at all. Mm. All of a sudden people around me wanted to start doing it and it became something that they made the choice to do, which I think mm. is really important. So like I've, I've rambled on a bit there, but where, what, what's, what bit of advice do you have for someone who, who is around their partner or loved one or family member or whatever um, that needs to do the work, how they can encourage them to, to kind of move in the right direction with that? coming across as a bit of an asshole or, or someone that's just yeah yeah the, the first thing which you, you nailed perfectly is that you need to be you need to lead by example mm. like and even you know if you look into the psychology of parenting you know one of the, the really interesting things around that is that a lot of parents will you know tell their kids what to do yep. but if you look into psychology of it the kids are more invested in what the parents are actually doing than what they're saying so yep you need to be leading by example. If you want your kids to be healthy, you need to be you know, leading by example. If you, you want your kids to do A, B and C, it's a massive piece to it. One thing I'll say, and it's such a suit, you know, it's, it's, I think it's probably the most common question I get asked by females is how do I get my guy to kind of, you know, do, do that work. And the first bit would definitely be to um, lead by example. The second thing is to find those little moments that you really love mm-hmm. and pay more attention to what they're doing than what they're not doing. So instead of um, noticing, you know, that he's not reading, you know, a book on intimate communication and connection that you'd love him to read, can you, you know, pay a little bit more attention to the Joe Rogan podcast that he's listening to or the DK podcast he's yeah. listening to? Because through that positive reinforcement, you're more likely to get more of that. So, you know, if, if you as a female are talking about how attractive, you know, or how attracted you are to your partner, you know, after you listen to DK's latest podcast, then from a bloke psychologist... Which does work, by the way, guys. It does work. <laughs> yeah, use, it, use, use that line. Um, then, he's, then he's a lot more likely to go, well, fuck, I want my... You know, like, we all want to be desired and definitely we all want to be appreciated. But if a bloke's going, fuck, is that all it takes for you know, my partner to desire me, then yeah. um, that's a good place to start. So look for the openings. And they might be small. It might be, you know, he's listening to a, a podcast for 15 minutes and that was just a little opening to, 
you know, from a sincere and authentic place, but to acknowledge, you know, how sexy that is or how attractive you find it or, you know, how happy it makes you as opposed to all the times that you didn't, you know, mm. listen to a podcast or read that book, whatever it may be. Yeah. I think on, on the other side of it, like for the person that is, maybe that maybe does have the self-awareness and the, the consciousness consciousness around what they're doing and, and what is and isn't working and whatnot. It can be uh, super difficult and almost draining um, to feel like you're constantly having to try and like mm. shift someone's yeah. perspective. So yeah. aside from that, like what's your advice for, for, for that individual, for the person that feels like they've, they've got that conscious consciousness and awareness now, but their partner may not. Mm. How, how, do, how do you approach that in terms of, like you said, you know, you can do the small things and pick up on the things they do well and, and lead by example and stuff. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening to an extent are doing those things and it's still not mm. really moving the needle. So how, yeah. what's your best advice for, for that? <laughs> this may rattle a few people, but the, the, the best thing that you can do is, you know, and this kind of almost goes against what we just said, but the best thing you can do is create a space for the person to be exactly who they are and the best version of that. So often we will get into, you know, a relationship with the ideal version of them. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, this guy's got so much potential. This girl's got so much potential as opposed to who they really are. Yeah. And, you know, I've, spent a lot of time really kind of looking into, um, you know, again, without getting too kind of woo-woo, what is a conscious relationship? And essentially, you know, one of the big bits is how do you create, you know, a safe container for them to be themselves and the best version of themselves as opposed to a cage? Mm-hmm. And that's a real challenge for many people. If you're looking to kind of the indoctrination of us males, you know, in particular as well, is we can find ourselves through generations trying to control the feminine as opposed to really um, create space for them to kind of step into, you know, themselves and, and the fullest version of themselves. So that's a big bit. I think the other thing as well is, you know, Martini talks about this a lot and I think you had him on your podcast recently, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he was awesome. Yeah, massive win, massive win. Yeah. So, um, if those guys have listened to that episode, and I don't know if you guys touched on relationships, but he's obviously you know massive on values, and he's like, you should spend a lot of time searching, you know, the world, so to speak, for someone who's got similar values. They don't have to have the exact same values, but mm-hmm. similar values. So, what that means is that, like, if you're big on growth, and I'm sure that the majority of people here that are listening, you know, are on this podcast for growth, then yeah. it's likely you're going to want to find someone who also values growth as well. So, mm. that's another piece of the uh, the equation. That's awesome. And for those that are that are listening, that are maybe having that realization that it is time to do the work, or or even just making the conscious decision, or maybe they are listening and they have hit a point where they're just you know, they're not willing to take any more. Maybe it's a low point. Mm. What, um, I know, I know the journey is different for everyone, but male or female, like what's the best first step that, that someone can take to really start their, their path on kind of personal development and, and I guess self mastery, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the first thing I would get you to consider is almost going against what you just said, but it's, be mindful not to just consume. 
yep. because you know they can listen to a hundred of your podcasts, which you know would be unreal. But if there's no implementation, then it's all just mental masturbation. Oh, yeah. You're not yeah. you're not doing anything with it. So yeah. it doesn't matter how small or big it is. My suggestion is obviously to start small, but making sure that there's implementation, and that might look like you know you go and do a meditation course on a weekend, and then you you know, start with three minutes of meditation for the next mm. month. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is. It's, and, you know, I don't know what your rules are around, you know, um, health and fitness. But the fact that you're starting to wire the brain yeah. for like every single morning as opposed to, fuck, you know, a, a hero effort on a Monday morning where you do 30-minute meditation and then by Friday, you know, the, the wheels are falling off and you're yeah. not doing anything. Just get it simple. Like start, you know, start with your three-minute meditation in the morning. Start with your journaling. Start with, you know, um, having a ritual of connection with your partner where, yeah. you know, every Sunday you go for a walk and you talk about the relationship, whatever it may be. Like it doesn't have to be massive. But I guess, you know, the core of it is, again, coming back to some of Martini's work, is work out what you value and really, you know, put a lot of time and energy into that. If you value your relationship, awesome if you value career awesome whatever it is you know if you're looking for i guess the quickest way for you know quote unquote happiness and fulfillment is work out what your value hierarchy is and put some time and energy into really you know fine-tuning that so if you know your number one value is health and fitness what does one percent better tomorrow look like in that yeah if your number one value is your relationship what does one percent better look like that tomorrow so don't don't try to break records. Just start small. Yeah. Very similar to habit stacking, I guess. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, um, look, I, I think there's heaps there for, for people to take away and, and plenty of value. And I'm sure at some point in the very near future, we'll, we'll jump back on and, and do another one and, and touch on some more specific topics. But um, look, man, I appreciate your time. It was really good. And like I said, I, I've learnt a shitload from you boys and I think even just from today's episode there'll be people that have taken a lot away which is great um, as we've touched on we'll try and make sure there's a link to, for you guys to, to do a bit of a uh, activity or, or, or workbook um, out of the self-awareness stuff that we spoke about and um, self-limiting beliefs but also I'll have the links to obviously Blake's socials and um, the Momentum website and whatnot in the in the show notes as well um, so appreciate you jumping on man it's been good Beautiful. Thanks for having me, big fella. Pleasure. Everyone who's tuned in, we'd love for you to take a screenshot of uh, of this episode. Chuck it up on your Instagram story for us. Uh, take myself, take Blake. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, and uh, looking forward to chatting to you again in the very next episode.